action. And on the 900-394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. I am, of course, your host, Colin, and today we have a very special Christmas Eve slash holiday edition. Whether you're in the car driving to go see family, I've been there, I understand how terrible it can be. Or maybe you're bundled up at home trying to ignore the family that's already there. Either way, Home Ice Advantage has you covered. And I'm assuming you've already seen the title, so you know our guest today is Mike Maniscalco. This episode, uh, two side notes. The first one is the audio quality is not the best. I got there 15 minutes early. I set up the audio levels on Zoom, and everything was fine. I hit record. Mike joined, and it, there was no audio. So I had to close it, reopen it, and then I forgot to set the audio levels again. So that one's on me. But the original point of this interview was me to talk to Mike about what it was like day of game to be a play-by-play man. And he was just so much more open when I started asking questions that we went in an almost totally different direction. We talked about his health scare in 2019. We didn't get too much into it, but you really got to see the human side of Mike Maniscalco. We got to talk about his favorite moments since he joined the organization, his career leading up to him getting the job with Carolina, and his time on the Buffalo Sabres coaching staff. At the end of this conversation, I saw Mike in a completely different way. And it, I, it just the conversation humanized him. After this conversation, I realized that Mike Maniscalco might legitimately be one of the nicest people on the face of the planet. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a Mike Maniscalco Christmas. Can you describe me specifically what the Stadium Series jerseys look like, please? No, because I haven't seen them. And uh, that's the, the God's honest truth. Now, I know that there was, uh, go back to 2020 when the Stadium Series was announced, Colin, that there was a, a jersey that was leaked I would guess that people would say was Stadium Series jersey. What I have been told uh, is that's not the jersey. Now, that's what I've been told. So you're going to play it like that. Okay. Uh, No, they've kept it it under lock and key. I'll put it, and I'll put it to you this way. I will give you a a story. A lot of this comes down to the manufacturer. Um, So Adidas makes these jerseys. Sometimes they're ready. We all get a look at them. When the Canes played the Winnipeg Jets, the Jets requested, that the Canes wear their Hartford Whaler reverse retros because the Jets were wearing their reverse retros and they wanted to do a little bit of a WHA night for their fans. And the jerseys aren't ready. So that's I'm, I'm giving you inside fastball scoop here. I mean, you're lying because you've definitely seen a mock-up or something. There's no way you haven't. I, you would be surprised because, as you know, I host a podcast called Canes Cast. And when Michael Smith and I were the co-hosts, the motto stood, 
we don't know anything and they don't tell us anything. And when it comes to things like that, they do not tell us anything. It's like, it's like trying to get a, it's trying to get a state secret. Well, I guess maybe that's easier now, but you know what I mean? When is uh, Max Pacioretty returning to the lineup? You have to know that. Um, the, the prognosis was four to six months for the injury. And they want, and they're targeting for late January, early February, according to this. Max wants to be back in the lineup before the stadium carries game so he can play in that. And everything uh, from what uh, we have seen and what we've been told is he is progressing for that date. So I can't give you a specific game, but that is, you can circle those weeks around there. So um, I, I hate speculating on injuries because that, one, it puts pressure on the player. Two, it puts pressure on the training staff, and I don't want to do that to the outstanding uh, medical and training staff that the Hurricanes have. But you can circle, I would say, that week and a half uh, around uh, the early part of February to right before the stadium series game. So you're saying it's better to take care of a player as a human being than service the fans? Wow. It's wow, it's a, it's a Look, Colin, it's a radical concept that I'm pitching to you, and I understand Yeah. That. But, I agree. But for me, I, I'm i going to go this time and go with, I think you got to take care of the human being. I think that the person comes first here. You know what? I mean, it's 2023. If you want to start changing the rules all of a sudden, I guess you can. But Hey, hey, if you want to hate the game, hate the game, but don't hate the players. <laughs> no, but that's that's the fun part for us, isn't it? As fans, to hate specifically players, players that we've never met, and actually a perfectly nice gentleman. But they one time accidentally hit Jacob Slavin in the face, so now they're the devil. Well, I mean that's that's understandable. That's by the way, that's how it works. It's not just the players; it's everybody involved with sports, the broadcasters for sure. I don't want to get too far into that. Okay, okay. Last thing: how many free tickets can you give me to the stadium series? Free tickets, none. But if you want to buy some, wow, place for you to go to. You can't even throw me like a press credentials. Come on, Mike. You know I could. I could do that. You've got a podcast. I can talk to the NHL okay. for you. If you want a press credential. But see, I like about that, Colin. What I like about that, that takes it out of my hands. Yep. And I'll put it in Gary Bettman's hands. So Not only Gary Bettman's hands where I get to be upset if he doesn't give it to me, but now I have to talk to the league office and try to convince them why I'm worth something. And that's it's, too much. Well, see, for I, I would look at it as a win-win because you get to talk to the league office and, you know, you go from there. And I'll put the word in for you. You know, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say they had a good conversation with league office. No one's like, oh, why, you know, talk to the commissioner today was a great day. No one says that. Unless you're trying to buy a team, and in which case you're just trying to be nice. I'm, I'm sorry you broke up there. I didn't hear your comments, so I'm just going to drink my coffee. <laughs> Mike didn't hear any of it. Did not endorsed. <laughs> I thought I knew you. Not like as a person, obviously, but I thought I knew your story prior to a week ago when you agreed to do this, and I actually started researching it. And you have a fascinating story of how you became the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I'm going to run through some stuff really quickly, and feel free to tell me that I, I wildly mischaracterized something. But you're radio man, through and through. Yeah, um, it's, that's the, the path that got me here. I actually, out of college, uh, had two choices uh, because I was working for a radio station, uh, WGR in Buffalo, but I was also the weekend producer for the ABC affiliate uh, on the sports side in Buffalo. Uh, and 
I was then promoted because, you know, this is going to sound weird, but I'm old. I'm a dinosaur. Uh, back in 96, 97, not every city had a 24-hour sports talk station. You know, those were, were becoming uh, new things. Well, the station I worked for had flipped to become all sports, and they offered me the 6 to 10 p.m. slot uh, as a full-time host, which was way better than me being uh, the morning show producer and the assistant production director and weekend sports talk show host, and on top of that, weekend sports producer for the ABC affiliate. Uh, so I had to take that opportunity, and I think I was 21, 22 when that came full-time. I was like one of the youngest full-time talk show hosts at the time in America. It might have been 23. Uh, but yeah, that opportunity is what presented itself. But coming out of college, uh, I was 6'3", weighed 191 pounds, and thought I was going to be the next sports center anchor. You know, I thought I was going to take over the feel-good edition after Craig Kilborn moved on. And uh, instead, radio opened up for me, and, and here I am. It, it was not the most direct path, Colin. It was a very circuitous route to get here. The weird part about that is so you're at your, you have a radio show in Richmond. It's the drive time yep. of four to eight, four to seven. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember. Uh, um, three to seven, it's okay. And you, you come to Raleigh to help launch 99 The Fan yep. when it first launched in uh, 06. Buzz Sports Radio presents The Morning Show with Mike, Lauren, and Dimitri on WRALsportsfan.com and our new WRAL Sports Fan app. Joining us here on the Alan Kelly and Company Train Hotline, he is the head coach of the East Carolina Pirates coming off of a tough... You do that for a little bit, and I, I'm skipping over a lot here. It's very general, but... Uh, how do I phrase this? WREL decided to go a different direction and close the door on your career in Raleigh as a sports broadcaster. So you go to Winston-Salem for three months. Mm-hmm. You walk a whole different thing out. And then as you're trying to climb out the window of your Raleigh life, the Carolina Hurricanes knock on your door. And you start walking to them on the television side. Mm-hmm. And um, again, generalizing a lot here, skipping ahead, what, six years. Yep. You now simulcast on 99.9 The Fan, the same station that fired you many years ago. Oh. Is there any part that's kind of like, ha ha, you can't get rid of me? <laughs> no, no. The irony uh, the irony is not lost on me. The funny thing is, is um, in the, the six years as the reporter role that uh, I was in that Hannah Yates now uh, is doing a tremendous job in, um, I was still on the air because the talk show Kane's Corner, it's a one-hour talk show where you get to know a little something about a Kane's player in depth, uh, in, in person. Uh, I hosted that. So they actually never were able to get rid of me. And uh, it was actually me before the TV job opened. I, I don't know if I've told anybody this because uh, it hasn't come up, but uh, that was pitched to me. Even if I was going to move to Winston-Salem uh, for the job that I was working for, for IMG Radio, and everybody at that place is phenomenal. I, I, I love them dearly, um, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity they gave me after what happened with uh, uh, CBC Capital Broadcasting is uh, the owner of REL and uh, 99.9 The Fan. But I was still going to do the Kane's Corner radio show. 
Like no matter, so I was going to turn up. I was going to be a bad penny for them, no matter what. Uh, I was still going to be hanging around. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how that came about. Uh, I wouldn't say haha. It was it was more the irony wasn't lost on me, which was kind of fun. Okay. Uh, I, I I guess the firing makes it a little less comical. Yeah, I, I would love to tell you that I'm a person who is you know uh, very even keeled and well rounded, and um, you know I can leave things in the past. But no, I'm human. <laughs> and yeah. there are things that that uh, come with that, but uh, I really didn't have too many problems with anybody at, at CBC, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the, these things happen. That's if you get into this business. I was a unicorn. I was never fired. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get let go from a job until 2006, 2007. Uh, well, actually, no, 2016. Good God. Uh, so you go back to 97. Like I went like 20, 21 years in the radio industry and didn't get fired. Like it's a miracle. None of the stations I ever worked for flipped to some other format. So, uh, it was That's actually, you would do. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was coming for me. It was just a matter of time. Yeah. And if you were around the station at the, at the time, uh, you, you knew it was coming. It was just a, a matter of when it was an inevitability, but no, I, I have, uh, a, a lot of, I'm here and that, uh, I am now the radio, side of it when we cast but yeah it's uh it's fun i try to do my uh my best on the radio call but it's a tv broadcast and hopefully the people who are listening understand that at this point they have to right it's been what three years um it's been um we've been simulcasting on the radio for five really yeah the canes 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 broadcast has been at least i think this is the fifth season of a simulcast at least I don't know why I thought uh, Chuck and John left around the same time. Uh, about two years apart. Really? Okay. Well, that's just my terrible memory then. But either way, my point remains the same. The fans have to be used to it at this point. They have to understand yeah. the um, thought process at this point of Tom Dundon. He's explained it a thousand times. I do want to talk about the first time you came to Raleigh. What was it for? Oh, uh, I was uh, came to Raleigh for the uh, first round for the f- first game of the 2006 Eastern Conference Finals. The Buffalo Sabers were playing the Carolina Hurricanes, and, and you were here to support the Hurricanes, obviously, right? No, no, living in Richmond, Virginia at the time, and uh, I was a uh, I worked for the Buffalo Sabers, so I had some ties there. So I still have my pint glasses, though. If you want, I can go. See, that's that's what I was going to ask you. Did you? Uh... Did you or anyone in your party take part in? No, nope. Okay, I, I, you, I, you know where I'm going. I know it happened because I've been told it happened. But I mean, I have I have the pint glasses. If you want, I can go upstairs and show it to you. So, okay, visual. I mean, uh, yeah, go ahead and grab it. Uh, I'm gonna need some evidence. Okay, although if you want <laughs> evidence, um, a funny story about that. Uh, my wife's from Buffalo as well, so we met there a billion years ago. Uh, a few years ago, the Canes did a Christmas, you know, vignette at my house because I have a fireplace and we, you know, decorate for Christmas. And there was a plate of cookies and milk. And if you look at the glass, the glass is the pint glass. No. Eastern Conference Finals, yes. That's actually pretty dope. I'm not lie. There you go. A little Easter egg for you and for all of the listeners. But the real place I was taking this is you... In the mid nineties ish, you were what is equal to a video coach for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, yeah, and it's 
you want a weird story. Uh, so I'm a senior in college at uh, Buffalo State, and uh, my one of my professors comes up to me, and she was a great teacher. She's you know teaching television and basically uh, broadcast ethics, but also she was teaching you know production and everything that goes into it. So she calls me to her office and she goes, um, "Do you know hockey?" And I go, "Yeah." And she goes, you know how to edit video? And I go, I hope so. You're teaching me this. Um, and she goes, okay, well, the Sabres have a have an internship that they're starting, and I think you'd be perfect for it. And I said, oh, okay. And it was the first year of the Marine Midland Arena, which is, you know, now, what is it, first Niagara, and it's had about 35 different names in between. So I show up, and I'm expecting I'm going to run the video board. Like, that's, I'm thinking I'm going to play Happy Gilmore highlights. You know, nobody touches my puck, baby, that stuff. And I walk into the room, and it's the coaching staff. So it's Ted Nolan, Paul Terrio, Don Lever, and the goaltending coach, Mitch Korn. And I walk in, and I look at him, and I go, I'm not here to run the video board, am I? And Ted Nolan looks up. He goes, I don't even know what the hell that means. And I went, oh, we're off to a great start. Uh, but I, I actually I, I passed the, uh, the test that they needed, and I became uh, – it was an intern that – Halfway through the year, the coaching staff don't realize that internships stop at you know when the semester is over. Yeah. So we get to December, and you know it's a, it was the best experience ever. You know, I get to work for a team. That's how I figured out how hard it is to win one game. Forget a playoff series. Forget the, the whole thing. Just to win a regular season game. And uh, I thanked everybody. I go. I'll I'll stick around for two weeks. I'll train up the new interns. You know, for how the rhythm that we've got going. And Don Leifer goes, what are you talking about? I go, it's an internship, Don. It doesn't last the season. It lasts the semester. And he goes, well, we can't do that. He goes, you got to stay here. We're winning. And I go, well, I, I don't control this. And he goes, well, what do we have to do? I'm like, well, you got to cancel the internship and hire me. And, and Steve Barber is the other guy. I can remember his name. Uh, I go, you got to hire us, you know, to stay on. And Don goes, okay. Calls the number. He goes, yeah, that internship thing, it's over. He goes, thanks, appreciate it. So it was over like that. And then he looks at me, he goes, Well, we can't put you on the payroll. He goes, So I'm not I'm not in any media guide for it in an official capacity. He goes, because we can't put you on the payroll. So, you know, we'll just pay you out of pocket. So I got a hundred bucks a month from the coaches for the rest of the year. And it was the best hundred bucks I ever made. Well, what was the test to become a uh, video coach in what ninety six or ninety seven? Uh, they uh, they had a bunch of uh, highlights set up, and they go, whenever you see a scoring chance, stop it. And as everybody knows, a scoring chance isn't just a shot on goal. Sometimes it can be a breakaway, and the yeah. So I I aced it, uh, and they'd go, why didn't you know somebody fluttered a shot with no traffic out in front? They're like, well, why isn't that a scoring chance? It went on net. I go. And that's Patrick Waugh and, you know, 99 out of 100 times he's stopping that shot. Then I wouldn't consider that. I go, there's no net front presence. There's no nothing. So I got that. And then the World Cup of Hockey just happened in 1996. And they were asking me questions about the game. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And uh, there was a big face-off. And Rod Brindamore is going to hate me for knowing the answer to this. But there was a big face-off at the end of the game. And Claude Lemieux jumped into the face-off circle and it waved out. I think it waved out Rod, to be honest with you. And they said, why did he get kicked out of the face-off circle? And I said, well, because Lemieux jumped into the circle. And they're like, okay, you know enough of the game. We don't have to explain hockey rules to you. And that's when I got the, got the gig, got the internship. And I, that's not 
I did get to an A for the internship credit as well, so that helped me graduate faster too. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. as long as That's, you fail it. I mean, we're and, and plus the Canes, plus uh, the you know, the Canes. I'm so ingrained now because I am a I am a Canes fan through and through. But plus the Sabers won the Northeast Division that year, so it was uh, pretty cool to be a part of that. First of all, that makes you a championship level coach, but not my point. Um, you say you're a, you're a Canes fan through and through, but you're a former member of the Buffalo coaching staff and have attended games in Raleigh as a Buffalo fan. I'm, yep. I'm not saying you're a spy sent here on a long term plan by Buffalo, but it, I can't cancel out the possibility. Well, if that's the case, Colin, it's the, the longest game ever for a sleep spell yeah. that Buffalo has ever tried to come up with, just so you know. It's going to be like 15 years from now, and you're finally <laughs> going to get your opportunity during the Eastern Conference Finals again, and you're just, hey, us, uh, oh, let me see your stick, and you just snap a stick, and that's it. It's the whole... 20 plus years was for that one moment. Well, I, I would, I love your uh, optimism that I will be doing this 15 years from now. So thank you very much for that. I will go from there. No, no, I am, I am, uh, uh, I, I've learned this from quite a few people. Uh, that This is the team, the only team that I, I would never, ever cheer for is the Boston Red Sox on record. Really? Really. You're fine with the Bruins, though. Yeah. <sighs> Let's just let's just put let's just put a whole blanket on New England then. How about that? There we go. Yeah, we we can go there. So you're saying you wouldn't have been a fan of the New England Whalers? I got you. Anyways, uh, would you have been a fan of the New England Whalers? No. Yeah, uh, I should Listen. have said Boston because I actually have no problem with the Patriots the way that other people do. I mean, it's hard enough. Mind, we're not going to go there. <laughs> See, we we could go down that rabbit hole. You weren't expecting some of these tennis balls to be served right back over the net. I'm just saying. So no, well, I mean, if you want to, all they ever did was cheat. Yeah, you can win, but it's easy to win when you're cheating. But we're not going to go there. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. Jesse, the body Ventura. Thank you very much. Words to live. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Rod you said that, and he's gonna get you fired. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'll text him personally right now. Right. It's it's over, Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So the real reason I wanted to talk to you and the whole point of this interview that went out 20 minutes into and I'm just getting to it was I was having a conversation with a, another person who uh, I don't know what you would call me, like a Keynes influencer or, or something like that, something along those lines. And I was talking to another one and I was, I was talking about you and Trip, and they asked me, like, how much work do you think goes on that? Do you think they just like read the um, game packet and then there's like a production meeting? And that's it. Look now, this is you have to be attached to an IV to be able to do that job of hockey everything. How correct am I? You're about ninety percent correct, but the other ten percent uh, is a ton of work. Um, I, I jokingly say that I do more homework now than I ever did as a student uh, with what you have to do. Um, my wife is very understanding because. Uh, when I come home, I'm not watching hockey to unwind. I'm watching hockey as part of my job. Uh, so, like, just to just for example, um, thank goodness we're at home because it's easier for me at home to watch and, and pay attention to the other teams that are coming up that the Canes are playing. Uh, but my day-to-day, after going to practice at noon and, and checking to see uh, and, and hearing from Max Pacioretty personally tell me when he's going to play and when he's ready to play, I'm just holding that information out on this podcast. I knew it because well because Rod wants me to that's what keeps me employed um but 
you know, go to practice. You make sure that everything works. You're working on the lines and do the best you can. I'll come back. I will watch uh, the game from last night for the Canes. I'll probably go back and watch the Islanders game because I really didn't get a chance to do that um, the way I, I want to. Because I, it sounds weird. I'll go back and watch games twice. Uh, I watch games and I, I scout myself, which is uh, you, you have to do. Because I'm always looking to get better. Like, what did I miss? What didn't I do? Uh, you know, did that work? Uh, but then I'll go back and watch it as a fan and, and hope that it, you know, sounds the way that it should. Uh, and then I'll watch the upcoming opponent. So I'll watch the Kraken game uh, from last night. I've got that DVR'd. So I'll go back and make sure that, you know, the combinations are set or if they did anything different from uh, the game before. And then you pour over the bats and uh, you got to like to read. So I will read uh, as many... I actually end up now at this point reading more about the opposition with news stories that are out there uh, on the web or, or what's what's out there than what the Canes have because I just have more access to the Canes when it comes to things. But uh, it, it once the season starts, Colin, it never ends. It, it doesn't. And it's it's a good thing for me. I, I enjoy it. I, I always enjoyed it. Uh, and then I get to call the games, which is, you know, for me, if you go back, you, you talked a little bit about how I got here. What I always wanted to be when I realized that a severe lack of talent was going to prevent me from being a professional athlete, I wanted to call the games. And now I'm in that position to do it. Listen, you could still be a professional picketball athlete and you have the inside track with Tom. That's all I'm saying. Just leaving <laughs> that out there for you. Um, I want to get back to how you've always wanted to be a play-by-play man because I, there's an interesting quote I, I, I saw of yours. But before that, when you say scouting yourself, do you just sit there and listen or is there like a notepad and you're like, oh, I said deal Gussie too soon there, another like 0.5 seconds next time? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'll sometimes have a, a pad and paper and I'll go back and be like, you know, um, you know, awkward sentence getting out of break. You know, rushed through here. You know, take just like just like notes. It'd be like notes, like um, you know, we have producers who are great. Jim Malley is the I think the best hockey producer uh, for regionals, and I think if he was national, he'd be uh, recognized in, in Emmys left and right for what he does. But you know, it's it's not just the game; it's intermission. When I read the like last night, I did the the highlight package for Tampa Bay versus Seattle. You know, I'm like ah, oh, you know calm down here. You can put this information in there. You should have teased the game better. You know, I had uh, the weirdest thing is you either have more time than you think when you're on the air to say something that you want to say, or you have no time and you have to, to go less is more. So just like little reminders, you know, too many words here, uh, give trip more room. Um, you know, make sure that on the face off you, you try to recognize who's taking the draw for just little things like that. I don't do, I don't do that. Every game with a pad and paper, but I'll, I would say probably like sixty-five percent of the games I will when I when I get the chance. On the road, I don't really sit around and, and, and do that too much. I'll just watch back the games on uh, you know I have access with and with some NHL accounts that you will never have, Colin. I'm sorry, they just meant for me. This has been such a disappointing episode. I know, I, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll go back and I'll go back and watch. Uh, I'll watch the games when I can, or at least uh, go back over highlight packages where I can. So quickly, and then I'll move past it. What is your mind like during a game? Is it you, you have a thousand things going on, it's moving a million miles a minute, or is it just pretty clear and you're just focusing on the game and being in the moment with Trip? I, I just, it's the latter. I just focus on the game and being in the moment. Like, I don't have 
uh, you know, you, you said the deer gussing thing, and it's so weird because that if you want to know that story, I'll tell you tell you about it. But uh, I don't go into games going, I have to say this. You know, I'm I'm gonna say this phrase if this happens. Um, some of them have just started to happen organically, but I, I just try to stay in the moment. I just try to because every game is is different, and anything can happen, especially in hockey, in any given moment. So I try to stay there and stay focused on the job. And, oh my God, you know, we got a, a promo that I got to read coming up about the, the Hornets playing the Pistons tomorrow. And then uh, we're going to break. Who's Hannah going to talk? I, if I do that, uh, I would, I would truly be bogging myself down with trying to follow the play. And, and there are those out there who'll tell you that I do that anyway. There is no way I'm going to let you not tell me the story of Diogassi. So the floor is yours. Uh, so uh, when the opportunity presented itself, to do play-by-play, it was in the bubble for the playing round against the the Rangers, and then of course the Canes went on to play the Bruins in the next round. And we had a, a great PR guy and team services guy, uh, Pace Sagister. He's a he's a North Carolina native. Went to UNC, so the state fans on your podcast can send hate mail to him now. Uh, but yeah. but Pace uh, came up to me and he goes, "You got it." He goes, "You got like a catchphrase," and I went. Man, I just want to make sure I get everybody's name right. I don't have anything like this. And he goes, well, if you need one, it would mean a lot to me because my grandmother used to say, dear Gussie. And he goes, so if you could just do that, like as a tip to the cap to my grandma for something, he goes, I, I would really appreciate it. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do what I can. Now, backstory about this. Um, I would fill in on the simulcasts every now and again when yeah. national. So it, it sort of started there in Philadelphia uh, on a radio game, sort of. And I had forgotten about it. So Pace brought it up again. And I go, I'll try to work it in. And it just seemed to fit for a save, like a big glove save. And oh, dear Gussie, you know, what a save by Morazic, you know, what a save by, by Reimer. And uh, that's, that's where it came from. So I wish there was more to it. Like I didn't invent it. It was uh, just a tribute to a friend's grandmother and, uh, you know, kind of a, a tie to the, the Southern roots here of the, the Canes being in the South, because he goes, it was, a, you know, that's a big Southern phrase. And, you know, it would just make, you know, my family would kind of, kind of like that. And I'm like, yeah, I think I can squeeze that in. And that's where it came from. And then it's funny because I never thought anybody would pay attention to it. You know, I just say it will move along. And that became one of the more divisive things I think I've said. Uh, in this role. Really? Yeah, because I get people who are like, God, that sounds Mickey Mouse. What what does that mean? And then I get people who are like, why don't you say it anymore? And I'm like, because half the people hated it and half the people like it, so let's just move along. So Is that... Pace no longer works for the team, so I basically retired it because Pace doesn't work for the team. Is that something you didn't realize was going to happen? Is that almost every single word you say will be picked apart in some way? No, I knew that. I mean, that's that's just the way that uh, things are. And I knew that back from my radio days. Because the, the funniest thing about that, Colin, is I would go into a segment uh, back in radio, and I'm like, this is the greatest radio segment of all time. You know, there's going to be so much heat. The phone lines will be blistered for seven hours, and you'd get crickets. But then you'd say something like, you know, I, I don't like ham for a dinner entree. And people would go crazy. And I'd, you know, you're the guy who doesn't like ham. That's that's what you took out of four hours. <laughs> that's the hot take. That was the most milk toast thing I've ever said. Exactly, exactly. 
game. So yeah, I, I knew that going in. And I mean, I mean, there's websites dedicated to uh, the profession now from awful announcing to <laughs> everything that's out there. So um, I was pretty cognizant that every, every word gets put under the microscope in some way, shape or form. So I don't remember where it was and I'm, I'm feeling bad. I've spent the last five minutes trying to remember it, but you were talking to someone and you said something along the lines of, I tell people that if you want to be a play by play man, just do it. If a high school wants you to do play by play, do it because it's either going to make you better or it's going to keep you sharp. And I found that fascinating because that example means you've, you've done something like that. Yeah, I have. Um, my friend, uh, Dave Nathan, who is the, uh, play-by-play voice for the North Carolina baseball team, and uh, he'll fill in for uh, men's basketball on the Tar Heel side. Uh, he does a, a high school broadcast. You know, he did it part out of necessity, but part out of, you know, he, he wants to stay sharp. And he would have me come in as an analyst for him and just because I, I played football for a while. So I did that. And I just tell everybody, this is the only job. There's no textbook. There's no... You know, I could I could put out you know a, a video. I'm going to teach you how to do play by play. No, it, it, it's, to me, you have to do it. So if somebody and I tell this to everybody, if somebody wants you to do play by play, if it's you know volleyball, if it's soccer, if it's high school, if it's what Division three college, do it because it gets you comfortable in the the motions of doing it, of, of being on a microphone and being able to speak, and then you're basically trying to translate, okay, what's happening? What's the connection that my brain to my mouth is going to say from what I'm seeing here? And can I do it in a coherent way that people listening can follow along with? So I tell everybody, especially if you're trying to do this job, never turn down an opportunity to do play-by-play. Like I did radio for all those years, Colin, but whenever I was given a chance to do play-by-play, I did it. Uh, I, I called high school football in Richmond, Virginia. I've done high school football here in, in Raleigh. Uh, I did the ACC tournament for the University of Virginia. Then it carried over here when I came down because a fan did the ACC tournament. And we would, you know, I'd wake up, do the morning show, and then call three games at night. And then you know, somehow I earned this reputation that, oh, the hardest working guy. I'm like, no, I'm doing play-by-play. I'm doing something I love. It, it's, I wasn't digging a ditch for 18 hours. I was, I was doing but people, Chris versus Georgia Tech. But people who don't love that see that as work. That, that's the gift is that you see it. As just I'm just getting to do what I love. Yeah, it, well, what, what I don't what I don't understand, and, and you know, it's like anything. I it, it does become a job, and it becomes a grind. Don't don't get me wrong on that. And uh, there are things that come along with it that when you do this, you're like, you know, I didn't I didn't sign up for you know every word that I say to be scrutinized, and you know, it, it's it's weird in some ways. Social media is great, but social media was you know a lot better when you know. When friends just said, "Hey, I don't like this guy," or "Hey, I love that guy," it goes both ways. Uh, so we're we're set. But for me, once that puck drops, or you know, the ball's put in play, I mean, that's it. That's that's my zen. That's my nirvana. I'm in the spot where I want to be. In uh, in every game, you just try to get better and, and do that. So that that's always my advice, Colin. Which is the only way to get better at this job is to do it. There are those guys who hate it. I don't get it. I mean, I don't understand that there are people who, you know, kind of when they're done with a broadcast, they're like, ah, they're grumpy about it. I don't know why you'd be that. You just move on and, and we got another game to call, which is always for me, the, the best part of this. And hopefully for the Canes, there's a, a heck of a lot more this year besides just 82 and the way they're playing. It could be that way. 
We could go. I'm. This is going to be my Christmas Eve episode because I don't have to do work near Christmas. Um, so I'm not going to get into everything, but they're, they're playing very well at the moment. Yeah, and I haven't seen this anywhere, but Kochekov's shutout last night is his third in less than 30 calendar days. Right. That's. I didn't see that anywhere. Why that? I want that tattooed on Brindamore's face. <laughs> Uh, well, and, and this is not to take anything away from from Piotr. You go back to the Islanders game. That was the most clinical, surgical, precise defensive game I think I've seen the Canes play. I mean, they were they were fabulous from start to finish, and, and they were without Sebastian Ajo and, and Jesper Faust. And maybe there was a, a heightened sense of with eleven forwards and seven defense, we're going to be a little bit more. Uh, I hate saying a little bit more committed because Rod Brindamore is right. Whenever you ask him about, you know, what was different about the effort tonight, the effort doesn't change with this team. It 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 really does not. Bounces here or there, penalties uh, that the team takes or or you know doesn't you know they don't get uh, conversions on the power play, things like that. Those are the differences. But the effort, honestly, I can maybe since Rod Brindamore's taken over as the head coach, this is his fifth year, I could maybe count Colin on two or three fingers efforts that just weren't up to par for, for this team, for how they play. And that's a hard thing to do because the way that they're asked to play. But um, that effort last night from Piotr Kochetkov, that was, that was a masterpiece. I mean, he, no matter what's going on around him, it, it looks, and I said, it, it looks frenetic at times. You know, he loses the stick. He's scrambling the arms out here. But it, it's not. It, he knows what he's trying to do, what he wants to get to. And um, it's going to raise an interesting question, which I'm sure that you might have a question after this about what the Canes have to do with goaltending. But it, it's a question that I would rather have of what are we going to do because we have too many goaltenders versus what do you do when you don't have any goaltending. And uh, I, I hesitate to say this, but it goes back to what we started to talk about. When I worked for the Buffalo Sabres, I would love to say they had this great video coach who helped them win the division, but they had this guy by the name of Dominic Hoshik, who was the best I ever saw. And that's, we can talk about numbers and records and analytics. He would come into a game and tell the team, score one, and I'll make it hold up tonight. And I'm not saying Kochetkov is that, but that's the closest I've seen to him since Dominic Hoshik played in this league of just doing whatever it takes to make a save. But there is a method to the madness of what he is doing. So uh, he's pretty special. Do you want that? You know, I don't know if you want to tattoo that on anybody, but definitely crochet that on a pillow that we can throw in the den. They make temporary tattooing now. Rod can have it for the next week and it'll be gone. <laughs> I don't, when, I'm going to pass you, on that idea. I, I love the enthusiasm. I'm going to pass on the idea. Well, wouldn't you love to see him like a press scrum and just his normal, like, he's not upset, but Rod just has like resting. I was a hockey player face. Like, I was a grinder. That's just his resting face. And just on top, just three shutouts in 30 days. That would be great. Um, and you you did kind of read my mind about the goaltender questions, almost like you walk in this business. But I, I'm not going to phrase it the way you think I am. Because I think the question's already answered by they're not going to send Kochak off back to the American League. At least not immediately. Because he's playing lights out. Yeah. And all love to Freddie and Ranta, but they are not the most durable goalies. So getting, running down the stretch with three goaltenders, 
not a terrible idea. It's it's not because of you know, a very valid point that you brought up with the, the, the history of Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ronta. That's valid. It has to be discussed. But it's not the most ideal situation to carry three goaltenders because on practice days, when you're trying to get better, there's only two nets. And somebody's not going to get a net or, you know, two guys are only going to get 50% of the work that they need to stay sharp or, or stay NHL ready. So that that becomes where carrying three goalies is not the, the best idea in the world. Uh, the, the idea all along with the Hurricanes and Kochetkov this year, Colin, was they wanted to see if he could carry the load of a number one goaltender, and that was going to be part and parcel with playing. I don't know if there was an exact number of games. I'll put it at 50, because uh, to me that's like the, the amount of games a number one goaltender the NHL plays now. But play that that number down in Chicago, and let's see how he is with it. The tough part for me is because how he's playing, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know how you send him back right now other than you want him to keep playing because you, you, I don't want him to now get in a situation where he plays one out of every three games because if we've seen Freddie Anderson, when he's hot, he's fully capable of playing. You know, yeah. And the schedule is going to start to become a little bit more favorable for Carolina where they can you know run a goalie if they get hot. So it's an interesting question. I'm with you. Goaltending is like pitching. You can never have enough of it, and you can never have enough good pitching, but it's an interesting dilemma to have, and I'm sure it's one that the front office is going to try to sort out before they get to the uh, the trade deadline coming up. One other complication to it is that the Chicago Wolves aren't having a spectacular season after winning the Calder Cup. And could there be a confidence problem with Kochekov if he gets sent down to the American and he consistently can't get the job done? All right. So I see that you're a glass, uh, glass half-empty guy. I'm going to be glass half-full. About- I'm just trying to be a contrarian. Oh, well, what if he goes down there and uh, he faces 40 shots a night and he makes 38 saves and he puts the Wolves back in playoff contention because he gets that work and he is that good? Like that, I, I'm I'm not afraid of him getting the work, and I'm gonna something else too. It's it's great because his personality is starting to show a little bit. He, he's starting yeah. to a little bit more of of understanding the English language. I don't think that phases him. I, I and I mean I that could be what you said could be bared to be right, but I just don't think he cares. I, I think that he's all about his performance, how he plays, and if he he makes the saves on the ones that he feels he should. He's not going to look at wins. Everybody wants wins and losses for a goaltender. You want more wins, clearly. There's your obvious statement for the day. Uh, While I'm in the position I'm in, I don't know if you'll find that answer anywhere else. But I don't think that he would get phased, that if he goes down to Chicago and his goals against average is like 2-7 and his save percentage is 9-10. Now, if it's worse than that, maybe. Now now we have, a, I think, a real conversation to get into here, Colin. But... Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting dilemma and, and it's honestly, it's one that I, I think that the Canes don't mind having. I didn't think that they expected it this soon with him, but, uh, here we are. And plus you've got to see how Freddie Anderson is coming back from this injury. And again, that's another one where he wasn't before the team left for Detroit. You know, he was at practice before the team left for Long Island. He wasn't there for Detroit. So I have no idea what his injury situation is and, and when he'll be ready to return. And by that, you mean you not only know, but you've seen all of his medical records and you're just withholding. I get it. Oh, this is really good coffee. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> uh, Starbucks, but you made it at home. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> Tim Hortons. I'm from Buffalo. 
Oh, I'm so. Let's. I'm sorry. Let's. I was raised in the South. You know how many times I've been at Tim uh, Tim Hortons, Ralph. Tim Hortons in my life. One good donut. Never done it. Oh, we got a bagel. We got to We got to correct that for you, my man. I'll tell. Get me. Uh, get me on the plane with you guys next time you go up north. I'll come. Sure. If we have go. seat on the charter, I'll I'll make room for you. But just you don't need one of the players. Just like keep slaving in Raleigh. I'll travel. It's fine. Uh, this is uh, Colin, Colin Madewell, everybody just came up with that question, folks. I know nobody will over, overreact to that comment. Yeah. The the real question is how many people just unsubscribed from my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so two, two things, and then I'll let you go because we're already uh, deep in 40 minutes here, and I appreciate it. Um, you do take some heat from Hurricanes fans because they were so blown away with the talent level of Chuck Kane and John Forsland for so very long. I mean, literally the entire time the team was in Raleigh, Kane had been with the franchise since they joined the NHL. But something I think people overlook, and I, I'm interested to see your uh, perspective on it, is that you also spent years witnessing and working with both of them. You got to see them up close. These people that idolized them failed to recognize that you were pretty much Chuck's heir apparent before. It's unfortunate the way everything ended, but I mean, you, I don't remember what year it was, but there was some random year where you were doing second period color commentary, whatever you want to call it, yeah. with Chuck. It's not like you didn't know anything. It's not like the team just threw you into it. It was like, oh, well, we have Mike's here. We'll give it to Mike. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's like everybody is going to have uh, their their opinions and thoughts on everybody, and uh, those are two of the best. But you know, Chuck's in the Hall of Fame, and I I, I love Chuck, and I learned so much from him uh, with what he's able to do. And I'm, I'm glad that you thought that I was going to be the heir apparent on on the radio side. I was just happy doing, you know, at that point I was doing the the storm watch in the aftermath. I think they had to change the original name of the show. Uh, you know, around the, the hockey games, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been around the team, but look, people, people don't like Joe Buck and he's making what, $20 million a game um, to, to get to this point. It, Sounds like a good deal. It's, it's such a subjective thing. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan and you can go throughout history of any time there's a change when something has been a constant for a long time. You know, the, the easiest thing to do is look at the person who took the place of whoever was there and say, well, they're not them. Well, I'm not, you know, is, and, and this, I don't want this to come across and it's, it's not snarky. It's not anything. I'm, I'm not trying to be that. I'm, I'm not here to try to do an impersonation of somebody. I was given the job because of, of what I can do. And look, not everybody's going to like it. I, I, I understand that. Um, that's fine. And, and nobody has, I, I think a, a broadcaster has a hundred percent approval rating. I, I don't know who this person is, but I'm sure one person didn't like how Vin Scully called a baseball game. I don't want to know that person, but I'm sure there was one person out there. who's like, he tells too many stories, you know, what's going on Vin? Um, but I, I am, what I have tried to do over the years is just tell everybody and, and this is something you go back to. Uh, I've had the good fortune of speaking to a lot of kids who want to do this job. So I, I do this. Colin, who's your favorite, you know, who's your favorite broadcaster? Who do you want to be like if you're in this this position? And 
Go ahead. John Forslund. It was always going to be John Forslund. Yeah. And I would tell you, no, you want to be Colin Maywell. Yeah. That, that's who you want to be. That's it. So, um, you know, I'm just me. Uh, it, it's all I can do. And uh, luckily, I have uh, a ton of great people to work with behind the scenes uh, with the, the Bally Sports crew. Uh, been nothing but tremendous support from the Hurricanes front office about it. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of the situation. You know, I, I, I get it. Uh, it's uh, for Dallas Cowboy fans out there. It's Danny White for, for Roger Staubach. Uh, who anyway had a pretty good career. So <laughs> I look at it like that, but um, I can't control people's thoughts, opinions on things that, that were before or what I do now. I can just do the job the best I can. And, uh, you know, as the, the saying goes, you know, I'm here to provide as much offense as I can. And Lord willing, we, we win a couple of ball games and we'll go from there. Uh, they play with a puck, Mike. Maybe if you knew hockey. I'm not um, a, I'm, puck? What's that term? Isn't that hey, can you explain goaltender interference for me? Why I have you? Just what you know? Why I'm on the call? No, uh, I would love to, but the answer is absolutely not. Because let's take something that should and could be black and white and make it as gray as humanly possible. Welcome to the National League. It is. Um, it is it's Randy Moeller said it. He is the uh, the former radio play by play guy for Florida when we and now he's the analyst with Steve Goldstein. We were talking about this, and uh, he said it, and, and Trip uh, agrees with it. Goaltender interference is no longer a rule. It's an opinion. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. I don't, he's, what did he say that against Boston or something? I remember that because it said social media blaze. Yeah. Um, okay. And then what, one last question about your color commentary. And then I'm going to ask you for a story. Um, but what's going through your mind? Staying away from why it happened, but. John is no longer going to be the voice of the Hurricanes. They turn to you. Hey, Mike, what are you doing Saturday nights come October? <laughs> How, what's going through your head in that moment? Uh, it was actually uh, in the bubble, as I said, when it happened. Uh, because my question was, I was still the reporter. You know, I was the pregame show host, Shane Willis, and ringside reporter. And I'm like, all right, so who are we bringing in? because there have been other guys who've, who've come in and, and done the job before. And I said, well, who are we turning to? And the team said, well, you. And that's when I said, okay. And, you know, there, there's a lot of questions that, that go through your mind. You know, are you, are you ready for this? But um, I think one of the good things for me as I was further along in life, you know, I wasn't like, uh, you know, 23, 24 questioning everything. I'm like, no, okay. I've done play by play. And, uh, I haven't done it on the TV side, but uh, I've been, you know, working with Trip. So I think the fact that I knew the team, that I was comfortable with the players and the coaching staff, and uh, I know Trip and I know everybody behind the scenes, that made it a, a little bit easier to do that. Uh, and the best advice, there's a couple of guys out there who I, I lean on. Uh, one is my dad, uh, who I said, well, what do you think, dad? And he goes, well, if you don't do it, are they not going to do the games? And I said, no. He goes, yeah, so somebody else is coming to do the games, right? Yes. And he goes, you've always wanted to do this, right? Yes. He goes, so why are you, gonna, why are you questioning this? You're ready to go. Uh, then my friend uh, Chris Patola, who works for ESPN and covers college basketball, he's one of the best analysts out there. He's just like, he goes, you're either going to be able to do it or not. So he goes, I think you can do it. Go do it. So that was it. And then you get, for me, it's, it's like climbing up a diving board. And you're standing out and you're looking over the water. 
And you're like, well, I've climbed up the diving board. I might as well jump. So that was it. I wish it was a better Colin, but I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't worry about it. I didn't fret about it. I'm just like, all right, let's just jump in the pool. Here we go. Two. I'm going to add one question as long as you allow. Yeah, um, I don't have anywhere to be at least for another hour. So you can go. Okay. Well, cool. Let me pull up some. What's the meaning of life? Is there a God? Uh, I mean, we can start running through these at any point. Uh, the meaning so, of life, there is no meaning, but yes. There okay. Yeah, see? I didn't expect you to actually give me answers on that one. My actual next question was. During 2019, I believe, is when you had your health scare in San Jose. Good evening, everybody. I'm John Forslund. Welcome to Hurricanes Live here in Anaheim. And tonight we start again without our great friend, Mike Maniscalco. We miss him dearly, and we will for each and every day onward. Today, the Hurricanes announced the status of Mike, his health, of course, in question. We knew that Wednesday. Now there's a little bit more clarity here. He and his beautiful wife, Kristen, have flown back to Raleigh, where Mike will have surgery. And this is where I ask all of you watching tonight to please rally your thoughts, thoughts and prayers. And I know the Kaniac Nation will deliver here because we love Mike Maniscalco. Not only what he does for us here as a pro, but he's one of the best guys you're ever going to meet. And I know most of you have encountered Mike in the concourse. You know what I'm talking about. So we hope the big rig is with us very soon. We hope he is in good stead. And we know he's in great hands once he gets back to Raleigh. So we will keep that thought in mind as we progress here tonight. And I don't remember who's saying it is, but this is saying that you'll never know what people feel about you until you're gone. And that's mainly true, except there's exceptions. And in this moment, yours was an exception. So we just spent a good 10 minutes talking about your detractors. But when you went down in San Jose, which is the best way to say it, really, they just found a volleyball living inside you. Um, the outpouring from fans is real. You've really got to see that the fan base does care about you. The organization cared about you, and that's not something everyone gets to see. Uh, without a doubt, the most humbling moment of my life. Because you know, I, I I never think of it as like, oh, I I do this job and I'm this and that. It's like you know, I I come on and I say things like, you know, what happened in that period. <laughs> What do you got to do in the third period? You know, things like that. Uh, I, I don't recommend people going through what I had to go through to uh, to find that out. Uh, especially don't do it in San Jose. Uh, no disrespect to San Jose, but it's. I think Winnipeg might be the only harder place in the NHL to get to uh, from Raleigh than San Jose. So my, uh, my fantastic wife who hopped on a plane and, and got out there as fast as she could, uh, that was great. But it was... One of those things where, you know, people in the NHL who reached out to me, like other broadcasters, like my phone just constantly blew up with text messages. Uh, the, the few things for me, everybody on the team, and I say everybody sent me a text or somehow, some way uh, got in touch with me to, you know, hey, we're thinking about you. You're going to be fine. You're going to beat this. And by the way, when you hear like there is a the original diagnosis was we found a mass. It's rather sizable. Uh, the doctor who said this had tiny hands. Uh, I'd like to think he goes, it's the size of a basketball. And like, and it's a volleyball. So clearly basketball looks you know, bigger to him. Uh, it's, you know, I, I tried to find the humor, uh, you know, when you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, I'm on the clock. So let's see, what do I have to do? What do we have left? Um, but yeah, to, to get the, 
outpouring from the fans. And, uh, the, I, and I just wanted to come back. I didn't want it to be like it got way more public than I thought it would or expected it to be because you know, it's, uh, to be honest with you, not much I can control. But Mike Sundheim, who is uh, team services and vice president of communication for the Hurricanes, was phenomenal. I, I had a PR person to what I was going through. Uh, he didn't want that role. I didn't want him to have it. Uh, my wife, the same thing that she, you know, she had to take care of everything. You know what? You know, like when you're asking about injuries, like what can we let out? What should we say? What shouldn't we say? Um, but then the the game when I came back against Ottawa. You know, I wasn't expecting anything. I'm just here to do my job. I'm, I'm a blue-collar kid from Western New York. I'm the son of a factory worker, and my mom was a school secretary. Um, you know, we're going to be here, and then, you know, we're not. That's that's uh, maybe a morbid way to look at life, but, like, you know, I, what do I do? And to be in that arena, and, you know, the Canes absolutely throttled the Senators that night. But uh, the first star interview was coming up. And they, you know, said, let's go down to, you know, and said my name and that uh, I will take that ovation with me for a million years. If I live to be that long, it, it's just, uh, I can't put it in the right words and I do not want to get choked up about this. I didn't know you were going to turn this into up close with Roy Firestone and make me cry, Colin. So thank you for that. Uh, but it was, it's, it's one of those moments where I'm like, um, I appreciate that, that people were genuinely concerned about my well-being were very happy to see me come back and do the do the job that I was doing and uh it's like I said it was uh hated to, hated to find it out uh don't recommend the diet plan either don't if you need to lose weight don't don't have a volleyball in you uh, to begin with but uh to be back uh and, and to have that you know knowledge that hey there there are people that were excited that you know I was okay and they were generally concerned uh Humbling is the, the only word I can keep coming back to. This is a great sight to see. Mike Maniscalco is back with us in his seat right alongside Shane Willis. Rick, what took you so long? Uh, I, I made a wrong turn in San Jose. And then it took me a while to get back here, John. But uh, great to see you. Great to be back. Thank you to everyone uh, in the hockey community, the hockey family, the Kaniacs here. Uh, I hope you feel it, man. Two things. One is it's entirely unfortunate that it had to be a public thing. Yes. Um, but, and this is the flip side of the coin, is when you're going through something where you don't have the answers, you're living until it's near the end. It has to feel somewhat great to be able to be told, like, hey, you know, pick a player on the roster, really thinking about you. Um, just want to make sure you're okay. Um, also, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. It's like I said, to, to put that in perspective, like I, I thought one or two people would reach out to me, um, you know, and, and even in that state. But I don't know if people remember, but Dougie Hamilton, Canes were playing San Jose that night. Uh, nobody wants to do the intermission interview. If you're a player, you know, you just played. You Shocking. Want to, That's you want what? To, I can recover. Uh, Dougie Hamilton 
again, it goes back to Pace, told Pace, I'm going to do the interview. And Pace, like, he goes, well, they didn't ask for you. He goes, tell the truck I'm doing the interview. So Dougie scored a goal, and he comes out, and he does the interview. Now I'm watching the, the game on my phone because I have access to the Canes broadcast. And, you know, Dougie was the first, like, to – I wasn't there, but Dougie was the first to say, you know, Mike's, you know, in a tough spot right now. And, you know, I scored that goal. And, and I got the – you know, that goal was for you from from Dougie. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm, I won't get into all of the details of it, but needless to say, the nurse came in and asked if I was okay. And I'm like, yeah, my team just scored a goal. Uh, so there was <laughs> things. Um, but like everybody, I got a text from Rod Brindamore immediately. I will never delete the text that I have from him uh, about, you know, basically – You've seen these post-game speeches that he has and some of the pre-game. It was basically a really succinct text from him, basically. Like, you got this. You're going to beat it, and I'll see you when you're ready. Uh, Justin Williams, who, if uh, Fonzie was a real human being, was based off of Justin Williams, goes, I'm not big into uh, the texting and all that, but, you know, you're going to be fine. You need anything, let me know. Uh, just thinking about you. And I'm like, "What? what's going on? You know, it's like, is this the the painkillers they have me on? I'm just imagining all these things, but no, it's uh, it's happening, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. It was. Uh, it, I, I hate to I hate saying things like, oh, well, that was pretty cool based on the the situation that it was. But the best thing that I was told out of all of it, Colin, were two words. And uh, anybody who's non-cancerous, or you know, it, it's it's cancer free. Um, I hope people who are going through that you get to hear those words because I cannot explain the actual weight that's lifted off of you when you hear those words. Um, one, uh, I'm sorry. I, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry. I took it there. Uh, but it's part of the CBA that if you make a play by play man cry, you automatically get press credentials. So yeah. it had to be done. Well, no, no, um, I was just welling up for the record. So we can get a single game pass for that. Batman's a lawyer. I'll figure that out. But, um, you know, it's, I don't know, not to get too deep in the weeds here, but it is like someone is lifting a literal anvil off of you when you do those magical words. Or if you're, if it was cancerous and you're now cancer free. Yeah. Those, those are some of the only words in the world that will instantly get you emotional in a very good way. Oh, yeah. Uh, 100%. When, uh, when that diagnosis uh, came through, my my wife was in the uh, in the the room with me when it uh, when it was announced, and I mean that's it, it's when you hear the term tears of, of joy, that's that's actually it. That's where it comes from. So, and like I said, everybody who's going through it, I hope they. That's my my thought, my prayer, my wish for everybody, whichever you wish to to take out of this. That you know those folks who are in the fight, you get to hear it, and and. Hopefully we'll get there one day. But for me, I'm, I'm lucky. I knock on wood about it all the time. Uh, I have a rather large scar, so too much information for you. But other than that, if I didn't have that, I couldn't tell you that I, I went through what I went through. You walk in hockey. That's a natural thing. I'm sure you could still compare it with players and go uh, inch for inch. You want, you want a quick story about that one? So Jordan Martin. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan Martin, uh, who... A heart and soul guy. You know, another guy when you talk about divisive amongst the fan base. I'm glad that Jordan and I share that in common because there's uh, I'd run through a wall for Jordan. Uh, so Jordan Martinook uh, had surgery the same time I was going through what I was going through. And I didn't want anybody 
to come up and see me because you know it, you can't do anything you know kind of stuck there and what are you gonna do and the front desk called and said there's a gentleman he's a player he said he's coming up to your room he doesn't care that you don't want to see anybody and I went all right well this can only be like one of two people and it's Jordan Martin and Jordan comes up and he's sitting there and you know just things to make you feel normal human and he goes hey you want to compare scars and I went yeah okay sure and so he lifts up his shirt and uh he's got a little scar i'll say little sizable for most by the way my wife's in the room for this too so i don't know how i was comfortable with that you know a pro athlete gonna be like here's me uh and then i go and i'm like i go all right you ready so i start lifting up and i'm i'm like frankenstein i'm stable to get i get like halfway there he goes oh no you win you win (laughs) not a competition i wanted to enter but thank you uh but you know just just made me feel just get better and, and you go from there. And there was, I mean, a ton of that. Uh, our producer, Jim Malley, when I was in San Jose, like, you just, you want any kind of normalcy. Day of the game is impossible for the guys behind the scenes. And Jim took an hour on a game day and sat with me in basically what was an emergency room in San Jose and just kept talking to me about everything. Uh, from, like, stuff that they were doing to me medically, which uh, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I didn't have any answers for it uh to you know what did i think about the game that night just to you know keep me talking to somebody instead of being alone in my my head for an hour or two so so many people to thank for all of that and like i say i take for for this now colin i take everything i do i I don't take today for granted like you know you go back to detractors that's fine it's it's only gonna bother me if i read the comment section and then it's for two seconds and if that's what you feel whatever just like i don't want to get too high and i don't want to get too low because there, there are people. Oh, you're great. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not that. You know, I'm not, not, a, not a Hall of Fame broadcaster. I'm not Chuck. But at the same time, you know, yes, there's still time. Chuck did it for like 50 years. Like you got time <laughs> with good reason. But you know, it's, it's somewhere in between. And uh, I tell everybody, uh, here's another thing for young broadcasters. But I, I turn it into like, if you ever see lists, if anything's like that, anything like that comes out, I, you know, because. People, I think, forget that you have family and friends and you're, you know, the players are human, you know, I'm human. And people can see this. Like, I, I've gotten to the point now, well, fine, whatever, you're going to say what you're going to say about me, fine. But it's like, you know, when your mom and dad see that, like if you have someone and your mom and dad, people want to, you know, Colin, why are they saying this about you? That's not true. And it, it's, it bothers you when they get upset about it. So I had a good talk with my dad. My dad and I are big Yankees fans. There you go. It's not oh, gross. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like winning, that's on you. Uh, but I'm you a Hurricanes fan. What? <laughs> he and I were talking, and you know, he brought it up. He goes, "So it doesn't bother you?" And I go, well, "I'm, I go, I'm a person, Dad." But I, I look at it this way: I go, if I was, and I, I played catcher for baseball, I was okay. I go, if I played for the New York Yankees and they put out a list of the catchers and they ranked every catcher in the history of the New York Yankees, and mine is the last name on that list, I go, you know what that makes me? And he looks, and I go, it makes me a catcher for the New York Yankees. That's what it makes yeah. me. So that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, if you want to be play-by-play, you want to be a radio talk show host, you want to be a reporter. And if they put out a ranking, well, you're on the list. So you're on the list. Not not to uh, make your head too big, but there was, you know, well, it, there's it, been a lot of catchers for the New York Yankees. There's yeah. only ever been one other voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's a much smaller exclusive club. 
Um, and, and speaking of, you know, I, I spent all this time on the detractors. I should mention that the whole broadcast team is nominated for a, an Emmy for, yep. I don't remember what game last year. Was it game seven against Boston? Yep. Game seven against Boston last season. And then you yourself are nominated for sports broadcaster of the year in North Carolina. Yes. So, yes. you know, not everything's terrible. <laughs> well, the, so the, the, the sportscaster of the year is uh, your peers vote on that. So I'm just, that's a, another one. Honestly, just to be a finalist for that, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by it. So very appreciative of it. But, uh, you know, if I win, I have my Ron Burgundy speech ready to go. You know, turn off the turn off the music. I'm going to keep reading, uh, but uh, no, it, it's just to be in, with the list. Who's on that? You know, from Mike Salarte, who's a very good friend of mine for Spectrum News. Uh, Joe Gilio, with the, who uh, who were acquaintances. No, Joe. <laughs> 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 you know, Stan Cotton. You run down the list of, of everybody who's there. Like everybody on that. Uh, I, I look at that list. Like yeah, everybody deserves to to win that because of how good they are at their craft. So I was listening. Obviously, I did research before this. Shocker here. Um, I didn't just sit down and start talking. Uh, I listened to a podcast you're on called um, uh, Carrie Live Work Play. Uh, And you just like sprinkled in that you almost had to fill in for Chuck Kane Game 7, 2009 against the Devils. Yes. I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, you said you had more than an hour. I want the entire story, beat by beat. Let's get it going. <laughs> well, uh, Chuck had lost his voice. Yeah, and it was I think, it, believe it or not, it was allergies because it's you know, that time of year. So Chuck had been fighting that all. This is actually a quick story. So Chuck had been fighting it, and like he really couldn't talk. And about noon, I get this phone call. Uh, from one of the PR guys, Kyle Hanlon. Kyle was also the director of broadcasting for the Canes. And he goes, hey, can you do the game tonight? And I go, are you crazy? What do you, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, Chuck doesn't have a voice. And we can't, I'm like, okay. So I immediately start, you know, putting everything together. And Chuck's like, no, I'm fine. And Chuck did whatever he had to do to get his voice ready to go. He, uh, he fought through it. But I was always down the hall. In, in Jersey, just like, okay, because Kyle kept saying, goes, you could get a text any minute that you're going to have to run into the broadcast booth. But Chuck is, is is a professional, and he handled the job perfectly. And I believe that all is, and miraculously, my voice has. Now Gleason to stall. He's across the line. He scores! Stall scores! With 32 seconds to go, a stunning wrist shot that beat Brodeur on the long side, and my voice is suddenly back. Yes, exactly. Literally full throat Chuck Caton returns. Yeah. Uh, and so I do find it funny, like, that the first game I, I would have called for the Carolina Hurricanes, if it came to be, would have been the shock at the Rock. Yeah. Which I, uh, not to self-promote here, but, you know, you're on my podcast. So... I, I just finished uh, producing a Shock the Rock episode. So it's an hour long just telling the whole story. And that, right after that moment, uh, well, it wasn't, it was after Stall scores and Kane's win. Chuck goes on like this 90 second rant about how this is the most important moment in franchise history, bar none, including the cup. And I don't know why, but I absolutely love it. Well, it's. There were there were two more people you could have talked about that because I was living the 
pre and post game show all the way through it. Uh, and our reporter at the time, Adam Harris, who now lives in Asheville, great guy. He was in the locker room after that. And he was sharing some stories with me after the game. So those are his stories to tell. But if you ever want to go, I can, I can get you a couple more stories. Give me some content. We didn't know each other yet. I didn't, you know, I hadn't <laughs> been such a good interviewer yet. So you didn't trust me. Give me all the context. I'll interview everyone. <laughs> done and done, Kyle. Thank you. Um, I really do appreciate your time. We're, we're well over an hour. And uh, I feel like I've taken everyone through a full range of motions. And you said I, I had more time. So I came up with two more questions quickly in my head. And they're both your opinion based. Uh, first one, just what is your all-time favorite moment since you've been... Um, I guess just since you've been covering the team, because I don't want to limit to it when you're just working for the organization, but the entire time you've been covering the team, what is your favorite moment? Um, I got a couple. Uh, clearly getting back and doing the Ottawa game and then yeah. uh, that first star interview. But for me, it's got to be interviewing Peter Morozik when the Canes get back into the playoffs. We're in, after, we're in, yeah. yeah, after 10 years. And it's one of those things where – you know, it, it's, you know, let me be the first to congratulate you. You know, the Canes are in the playoffs and, and you don't know what you're going to get. And he gave like one answer. And then all of a sudden you can see the emotion for him came up. And he's like, we, you know, we're in, we did, we're in. And it's just one of those moments that you, as a broadcaster, you get out of the way and you let him do what he has to do. And Peter, let me be Thanks, Bob. We're in! We're in! Yes! Yes! Woo! That you, as a broadcaster, you get out of the way and you let him do what he has to do. And uh, that, that's that's the, the highlight moment for me. A highlight when you talk about the biggest moment since I've been covering the team that's up there. There's a couple in 09 because like before this run that the Canes were on, the only playoff series I covered was that 08-09 run to the conference finals against Pittsburgh. So, yeah, that the Morazic moment is, is probably the one. That, uh, that's, I, I believe there were a few moments in a team's history that unified its fan base altogether. One of them is obviously winning the Stanley Cup. So, sure. Rod Brindamore kicking his feet as he lifts the cup, pinnacle, absolute pinnacle. But the shock of the rock is one of them. That last 80 seconds is a moment where every Hurricanes fan combined into one voice. And while most of them weren't in the rock, they were at home. And you can just imagine everyone's going insane. Yeah. And then with Morazic, for them to beat the Devils at home, clinch a playoff spot, it's Rod's fourth year. It's been almost a decade. I... I, I know you've spent most of your life in a press box now, so you are very, like, you, of course you get excited, you feel the emotions, but you don't have the outpouring. But as someone in the building, it, it, it's not even that you make the active choice. Hey, let me, you know, cheer Dougie's name or cheer Mraz's name, whatever it was. It's, it's literally these pure moments of everyone in the building coming together for this sweet moment. And that's what makes that moment so special. Because you're right, Mraz was just going to, like, answer a question. 
But the building's going insane, absolutely insane, because, oh, my God, we're in the playoffs. And that's birthed this beautiful moment that will forever live in, like, the lore of the Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's it. Um, the, the double overtime goal against the Caps and afterwards, clearly by Brock McGinn and the absolute chaos that uh, that, that ensued afterwards. But uh, that it's all made possible by getting in the Mrazic moment. So this... Uh, you wouldn't know this. You've never listened to the show, but my intro is actually, um, it's Rod at his press conference. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I think we can do great things. It's just the story of that entire season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It truly is. So. Okay. So this is my, this episode will come out on Christmas Eve because again, don't want to produce content around Christmas. Uh, so <laughs> what I'll go forth, even though mine isn't real Christmas themed, but what is your favorite moment connected to the team that involves Christmas? Oh, it happened. I thought you were going to have a Christmas movie, and I was going to say Die Hard. So. Die Hard isn't really a Christmas movie. I realize this is like an ongoing debate, um, but well, if, you're uh, professional, and you should know better. So. If, if I had to be subjected to is a hot dog a sandwich as a vote, uh, I'm going to take the Die Hard the Christmas movie. Of course it's a sandwich. It's meat between two pieces of bread. That's not a debate. So then a, a calzone is a sandwich? Yes. Okay. You can eat it like a sandwich. So anything you can eat like a sandwich is a sandwich. Basically, yes. So pizza is a sandwich. If you fold it, yeah. Way to go. It's a sandwich. So, so if you open it, so if I if I open up a sandwich or a sandwich, it's something else? Like if I take the top yeah. right off? It, it's, I guess it's toast that hasn't been toasted yet. Oh, that's this is insanity. Insanity. I would not have signed up for this had I known. You agreed to this interview. Don't put that any is, of this on me. That is, that is true. So, all right. I'm sorry to interrupt you with, with our um, but my, my favorite moment, and it's, it doesn't involve Christmas at all, it's the snow game against the Rangers last season. Uh, of course, I've never been to a snow game in my life. And I don't have to tell you, as a Hurricanes fan, I'm not a fan of the Rangers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, we, uh, you know, I, I, I go to the game, and it's flooring. And you're like, oh, this is cool. Oh, it, you know, never snows in Raleigh for real, ever. I'm sure, uh, is that a plus or a minus coming from Buffalo that it never snows there? Oh, it's a plus. I, I, yeah. I've, I've had my fill of, of I love, this is going to be, I, I wish there was a simpler answer. I should just say it's a plus. I like snow. I, I, I would rather have it snow than rain. I, rain just is the worst. But I hate shoveling snow because I have yeah. far far uh, enough for three lifetimes so um while i like snow uh it's it's prettier than than rain for sure and i you know you can do more for me in the snow than running out in the rain but it's it's the all the extra garbage that comes with snow that i do not miss the, you know, the poor driving the shoveling the having to scrape off the car everything else so yeah if you, so just look at your window to a white wonderland. It's fine for you. It's oh, uh, yeah. now I have to actually do like stuff to be a mature adult. Exactly. Anyway, you, uh, now figured out the ethos I live by. I, I I think that's just all adults, and we just all hide it very well. <laughs> so I'll just like uh, I have to do this. I have to pay my mortgage. I guess I'll I'll do it. That game was so uh, fun is because first of all we thrashed the Rangers. It was a stellar crowd. For a snow game, and my entire family was there, which is rare. I mean, we all go to games, we all support the team, but it's rare for all of us to be there at once. And that was just such a pure bliss moment. So what is your favorite, I guess, winter-themed, because I adjusted it, Hurricanes moment? 
Do you want me to tie it to the Hurricanes or just any winter theme that's out there? I mean, I'll, you be you. I'm not going to tell you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a snow story. Uh, Paul Maurice is back coaching the Canes, so it's the, the year that they're going to make oh, the eight or nine. Yeah. Uh, and there was a snowstorm, if you remember. Oh, eight yeah. on. Um, I think were they playing? I can't remember. I want to say they were playing the Devils, but maybe not. And for whatever reason, the Canes had a, the mortgage at Raleigh Center Ice, the, the rec zone. Yeah. And I went to it. Now, I'm just still the radio reporter at this point, but I, I drive to it. And I'm like literally the only other person there besides the team. And so Paul Maurice comes out and he looks and he goes, and the roads were terrible. Like people are sledding down the roads. I'm not used to that. Like go down a hill, don't slide down the road. Yeah. Uh, and I show up and Paul looks and he goes, is there any media here? And they're like, yeah, Mike's here. And he goes, he looks at me and goes, well, I knew you would have found a way here. <laughs> he goes, you grew up with this, didn't you? I go, well, yeah. He goes, fine. He goes, what do you got for me? So that was it. So that's that's my one of my favorite wintry moments down here in Raleigh with the hockey team that I can tie it together. So I have yet to hear a story about Sherman Nemo where it's not just him being a goofball. <laughs> he, he was always cracking jokes from what I can tell. It, it, one of the most underappreciated senses of humor uh, I have been around in, in Paul Maurice. Uh, I don't I, I've talked to multiple people who've reported on the team throughout the years, and all of them was like, Maurice was funny. Like, no matter what was going on, he was funny. It was a good time. Okay. Um, I, I spoke to someone about the time in Greensboro, which, not a great time. And I guess uh, Maurice would always try to start with, like, a joke. Like, oh, yeah, we just got blown out. Knock, knock, who's there? I just find that that's a class act. Um, but... I guess I have nothing else to talk to you about, finally. I can let you go enjoy time with your wife rather than speaking to some random Kane's influencer. But before I do it, um, this will not last the test of time, but at the current moment, we are playing in fantasy against each other in the Kane's cast conference that uh, is commissioned by you and Shane Willis. Yep. And do you know in that matchup who's leading? Good guess. <laughs> Gonna go with um, the only reason it's brought up is because you're probably leading right now. But isn't it like four to two to six or something like that? It's six three to four. And if oh. it's fair, I, I I just checked and I realized I was closing because when I checked last night, it was six one and six. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that I'm now ahead. And I I hundred percent don't expect to stay ahead. But for right now, greatest fantasy player of all time. I might retire at the end of the week. We'll see what happens. I was going to say, let me know on Sunday when we do part two of this marathon podcast. I mean, if you want to hear me gloat for three hours, we can do that. I'm here hey, for it. I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it, Colin. That's, that's <laughs> what I signed up for. And there you have it. That is my full conversation with Mike Maniscalco. You can, of course, see him calling play-by-play on every Canes broadcasts or on the radio simulcast on 99.9 FM, The Fan, and Raleigh. He has his monthly radio Canes Corner show, and you could always just follow him on Twitter, at Mike Maniscalco. Before I dismiss everyone for the holiday, I just want to say thank you. If it wasn't for support of listeners like you, I would never get to talk to cool people like Mike. If you haven't already, you should subscribe, because... 
you clearly enjoy the content. And I appreciate every single stream, download, every time you share the show or talk about it on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. It is all extremely helpful, and I am extremely thankful. You should probably share this episode too, but let's not split hairs. I'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Enjoy your holidays, whichever you celebrate. And as always, let's go Canes.